You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bonjour and bienvenue to the Queen's podcast. Je m'appelle Ben Clark. And I'm Eliza Summers. We're here from Battle Royale and Katie and Nathan want us to tell you there's a little bit of cursing in this podcast. So if that's not your thing, this might not be the show for you. Our podcast, on the hand, has no swearing other than the occasional bleep out. On Battle Royale, we are passing judgment on all the kings and emperors of France from the Dark Ages to the French Revolution. We rate each monarch in five categories and then decide who would have deserved the guillotine. But without further ado, we're going to throw back to Katie Nathan with today's fabulous queen. Merci beaucoup for listening. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. I hope y'all know that Katie and Nathan... <laughs> Katie and Nathan just had a dance party to their own. We just had a dance it. party. I, I just really <laughs> love our new our new intro music. I'm very into it, and uh, that was a good time. That was, <laughs> that was a fun and sexy time for us, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> fun and sexy, my middle name. Ooh, Nathan, fun and sexy Foster. Yes, I am. Today, I am super excited because, as you may know, Nathan likes to go, and yes, I'm talking about myself in third person, Um, Nathan likes to do research sometimes on things that aren't our typical, uh, let's just put it nicely, white royalty, like Western Europe, Eastern Europe, like we, we do a lot of that, we do a lot of England, we do a lot, so whenever we go off the beaten path to some woman who's lesser known, on top of that, an Asian woman. I am here for it. <laughs> yes. This is our first queen from Korea. And I'm really excited too. I really hadn't studied anything about that culture. So I learned so much on this one. And I know you really like to go down these lesser known rabbit holes. So I love this journey for you on top of it. Oh my gosh. I went down like so many rabbit holes about like Korean aristocratic families, Korean weddings, Korean everything. And it's it was wonderful. Loved every minute of it. Let's get the people out of the suspense, Nathan. Who are we talking about today? So we are talking about Empress Myeongsong. So she was the queen consort of Joseon, Korea until 1895. And she really was responsible for establishing really strong ties between Korea, Russia, China. And she was trying in an effort to do this. She was trying to block Japan um, from really having an influence over Korea. Because I don't know if you guys know this. Japan's back in the day, like they were ruthless. Um, They were very hardcore. I think it was up until World War Two. They basically said um, Japan never lost a war. They always won. 
And they weren't wrong about that. Um. (laughs) And they were like, Korea is ours now. And And our girl, Queen Myung-song was like, "Um, you know what? No, Korea is still just Korea's. And she's a (laughs) hard-headed bitch. And I'm so excited to talk about her. I know, because Japan and China got into this brawl, and then they're trying to all claim Korea as its own. And Korea's like, hey, yo, I I can just be independent. And they're like, no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's cute. That's cute. So we kind of still talk about, especially North Korea, but back in the day, Korea used to be what you know, we call North Korea today the Hermit Kingdom, mm-hmm. where they didn't take any influence from anybody else. They could just kept to themselves. So our girl, Queen Min, um, she definitely took them from Hermit Kingdom and tried to open them up to some new ideas, westernize it, modernize it, you know, make Korea great again. Macaw. <laughs> Macaw. <laughs> Absolutely. But before we get too much into the story, Nathan, tell us about this lovely cocktail. So this was super duper easy. I know Katie loves a nice, simple recipe. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. I think everybody does. If you can just mix a couple things together and have a good day. Uh, But today, what I basically did is took jasmine and green tea and brewed that. Um, you can put a little sweetener in there if you like your tea a little sweet, but make sure to cool it first because you do want it to be an iced tea instead of that warm mm. tea. But you literally just take that green tea, jasmine tea, and you throw some soju in it. And that's it. Ooh. Like garnish it with a lemon. Um, they do have flavored soju. So if you're feeling adventurous, you can always add, you know, a flavored soju. But to what's it to in this one? This one's tea. just regular, right? Just regular. I'm just, um, so if you're not familiar with soju, soju is a lot like sake. So it's very similar. It's a rice wine alcohol, but it's stronger than sake. So it's like if rice wine and vodka had a baby. Oh, I like both of those things. I want to go to that baby shower. Right. It doesn't taste like anything. Like it's got that very neutral flavor. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, Obviously, we're pulling some from our Asian theme. Soju, hello, Korea. Love you. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you've already seen Nathan does his booze clues videos over on Mm -hmm. Patreon to give some hints. And so you can get the cocktail ahead of time if you want to drink along with us. So Let's dive in. Nathan, introduce us to our queen. Get Tell us about her backstory. Okay. So, Myung Song was born on November 17th, 1851. We know her birthday? Yes, we do. Oh my gosh, yeah. We know her birthday? <laughs> so, oh if goodness. you keep track with the Zodiac, which is my new rap hit single. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. That was the whitest rap ever. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it back to the Zodiac. Uh, Katie's like, uh, when Nathan, okay, let's move on. Uh, so, so if you're keeping track with the Zodiac, she is a Scorpio. So we know Scorpios as passionate, ambitious, loyal, honest. And guess what, guys? She check marks all of those. But, and it's all big, but uh, we know that Scorpios can be a little bit bitchy. I feel like of all of the Zodiac signs, Scorpios get the worst reputation. <laughs> I don't know. Geminis don't get a great reputation always. Hey, Nathan. hey, hey. 
Katie, we're gonna we're gonna have to take this offline. Circle back and table this <laughs> okay. discussion. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everybody loves every single Gemini that they've ever met. Nathan, my apologies, but I will say, I, I think everyone. Uh, you're right. Scorpio does kind of get a bad reputation. I definitely know a Scorpio or two that I'm like, <laughs> what was that again? <laughs> they can be jealous and stubborn and everything. But like you said, also hard headed, smart. So not all bad. Yeah, we're not going to hold any of those negative traits against her. I'm just happy we fucking know her birthday. <laughs> And if you're if you're new to this podcast, it's a reoccurring theme of and when was she born? I don't know. Sometime in this decade. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's like she was either 15 when she was married or 25. We don't know. Um. Or maybe seven. <laughs> We're not sure. <laughs> but this one we know. Love it. Yeah. And we are going to end up calling her Queen Men, Empress Men, uh, Katie beautifully coined the phrase Minnie. I love it. I'm going to call her Minnie. I like that. Because her family name, a lot of times back then with Korean cultures, your aristocratic family name came first. Um, And so she was from the Min clan. So she would later go on to be called Queen Min. And that is a lot easier to say than Myung Song. And um, oh, yeah. Also, we're going to fuck up some names in this. Um, We have tried our hardest to get these pronunciations down. But just disclaimer right now, I don't know any Korean. I'm going to get something wrong. I I am not a cunning linguist in the Mm -hmm. Korean. um, You're not a what? uh, Cunning linguist. (laughs) And this is why we get bad ratings. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And we're also going to kind of refer to this area as Korea. Um, But technically it's Jawson Korea at this time. Mm -hmm. But I I just feel like people know where Korea is. And if I say Jawson, they're going to be like, where? Um, So we're just going to refer to it as Korea right now, um, just to kind of keep things continuous and fluid. And even though, you know, men or Myeongsong aren't the names that many was known of throughout her entire life it's kind of like with empress Wu or queen olympia they got different they were called different names based on different times in their life different status but we're not trying to confuse you out here by calling her a different name every 10 minutes so we're gonna stick <laughs> with queen men pretty much throughout yeah because if i heard a podcast where the name changed every five minutes i'd be like and next i'm confused and next <laughs> yes so Min was born to the Yohong Min clan, and she was the daughter of the internal prince consort Han Chang and Min Chi Rock, the internal princess. <laughs> the internal prince and internal princess, it just kind of sounds like you've got like a little bit of a um, internal battle with yourself going yeah it's like a state of mind it's like the holy roman emperor i am my own internal princess and my internal princess and my internal prince they often get into fights against each other (laughs) one time it's like oh nathan just hop in the shower and take a shower and then my internal princess comes out and says no you need flower petals you need a bath bomb you need bubbles you need a glass of wine so i love this for me I, I'm I'm very much in agreement with your internal princess, Nathan. For <laughs> sure. But the the couple were married in 1836, but Minnie didn't hit the scene until 18, 1851. 
because the couple suffered several losses with other children before they finally had a child that survived infancy. Yeah, it's one of those things that... But history is unfortunately really sad with birthing children Mm -hmm. at this time because we didn't have the technology that we do today. So it was very common to lose children at a very super young age. But it took 15 years until they finally had a surviving baby girl. Can you imagine how heartbreaking to have to deal with that shit? I know, I know. But guess what? We really don't know a whole lot about her childhood or education, which again, Uh is kind of par for the course with women in history. Why would we need to write down how she was raised? Maybe because they're going to be the ones that actually run the country later on. Um, Spoiler alert. Sorry. (laughs) We do know that pretty much historically at the time, uh, girls weren't given amazing educations Mm-mm. but it does seem like men kind of at an, an a, a young age was like well no and so she took it upon herself to educate herself like she really fell in love with reading and learning as like a little 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 kid and i just think that's so awesome we don't see it a whole, it's whole a common, lot outside of yeah we- yeah it is common with the women we cover yeah Yeah, I feel like it's a little common where the women that we cover are like, well, no one else is going to educate me, so I might as well educate myself. Like, they literally take it upon themselves to be like, I'm going to be important one day, and you're not giving me the education I need, so I'm just going to sit in your library, drink a couple vodka sodas, and read some really good books. Exactly. There's a couple of times in this uh, research that I was like, oh, man, she's really giving me um, Catherine the Great vibes. And this was one of them. 100. 100. I 100% agree with that. And literally all the like I tried to research her early life so hard. And everything I got was she was really pretty. Yeah, that is the only thing that we know without a doubt about her at a young age is that she was conventionally attractive. You know, the real important stuff, Nathan. God, bag of dicks. (laughs) Bag of dicks. Uh, uh, Dicks. So sadly, Queen Min's father died um, on a trip to Sado City in 1858, but that's not to be confused with Suffragette City. Uh, Suffragette City. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. I mean, I can't, I cannot have a good episode of Queens without David Bowie or Queen. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta sing, you gotta sing David Bowie whenever the opportunity arises, Nathan. Exactly. It's bad luck. It's bad luck otherwise. Right. So dad ended up getting sick on this trip and dying. And for the life of me, I couldn't fucking figure out what he fucking died from. Was it like scurvy tb typhus or syphilis 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 (laughs) okay it wasn't probably wasn't syphilis syphilis, but like (laughs) it totally wasn't syphilis we just can't pass up our a chance to sing our favorite christmas song i think you are accurate um but (laughs) men would have been men would have been about seven years old at the time so she was very young when she lost her father yeah so minnie and mama went to go live with mama's family and we don't know a whole lot about this time like we said we don't know a whole lot about her formative years she She was pretty she was pretty 
She was pretty, but we don't know where <laughs> she was being pretty at. <laughs> Somewhere with her mom's family, being just sitting there being. Yeah, it was like eight years that she ended up staying with her family. And like during this time, her mom is like, girl, we got to fix you up real quick because let's be real. I mean, this is just a theme in our whole Queens podcast is, oh, you're (laughs) you're able to make babies now. Let's get you hooked up with somebody powerful. Right. Boy, howdy. Did her mom do some hustling? in the right direction. Oh, oh, yeah. They did a lot of good things here. So the emperor when Min was born and most of her childhood was King Chi Yeolzhong. And his rise to power was super fucking crazy. Um, so yes. this- Oh my gosh. This part I do want to talk about more in the Patreon. Because like rabbit I went down some hole rabbit holes. Yes. <laughs> so... There was this horrible event called the Catholic Persecution of 1801, where basically many of the nobility of Korea had persecuted, killed, or sent Catholics into exile. And Chi Yeol-jong's family had been in exile for pretty much the majority of his life, right? Guess what kind of education you get in exile? Uh, None. Uh, Not, not, Not fantastic. This is giving me like Roman Empire vibes where you send somebody off to exile and they just become dumbasses. So when the when the royal family realized that they didn't have a suitable heir coming up next, he was literally pulled out of exile. They're like, oh shit, there's no heir coming. So we got to get this guy out of exile. And he yeah. was adopted by the Dowager Queen at the time. She didn't have an heir, so she needed to preserve her dynasty by adopting him. Again, Mm -hmm. giving me Roman Empire It's a lot like the Roman Empire where adoptions were considered just as valid for passing on family inheritances as biological children. And like you didn't have to be an orphan to get adopted. It was just sort of, you are now part of this family type thing. And so, yeah, I didn't realize that that was a part of Korean aristocracy back you know in the day so that was a really cool thing to learn too rabbit hole so <laughs> he was adopted into the andong kin clan and very very that was a very very power hungry ruling family in korea mm-hmm. that is an understatement the andong kim clan was they wanted to have somebody as their emperor so they were very bitchy I am the captain now. Look at me, look at me. I am the captain now. Absolutely. This this guy was not, like we said, he grew up without an education in exile. He was almost feral. You know what I mean? Oh, they basically said he was illiterate. Like, he yeah. couldn't read, he couldn't write, he couldn't do anything. Like, he was just not, because he was raised in exile. Can you yeah. blame him? <laughs> but then that meant, because he was so clueless and he had no connections, that meant that he could be easily manipulated. And Nathan, was he manipulated a great deal? Oh, my Lord Jesus. Like, this dude was like a little piece of clay, and the opposing family could just do whatever they wanted to him. And he was just uneducated. Yeah. This is why Queen Min did not get walked all over was because she was educated. But then this guy got murdered. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 
which again reminded me a lot of the Roman stories. Like this, this was just like the fucking wild, wild west. They were just, you could assassinate the leaders a Tuberté style, you know, like, yeah, it was just- it's crazy. And we're talking like, we keep comparing Korea to Roma, Roman Empire. But let's just remind ourselves that what we're talking about right now is like 1860s, 70s, like, so not that yeah. long ago in the retrospect of it all. <laughs> exactly. It also kind of reminds me of the Isabella of Castile first episode. Because that was also just an absolute soap opera. Soap opera drama mama. Yeah, soap opera <laughs> drama mama. So the king was murdered. NBD. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. He didn't have any kids. Yeah, I think that was another manipulation too. Like the fact that he didn't have kids. I think that was another manipulation of him in some way of the family. Yeah. There's so did much they, like, drama. Did they like not let him sleep with his wife or something? Well, I think it was more like the wife was scared. Like they knew that his family still wanted some claim and bringing him into power. And I was like, Oh, if he has a son, then it's going to like his family is going to try yeah. and oh. rule the party. So it was very, everything was staged. Like it was just, Oh man. Oh, there's so much drama in this shit. I am loving you, Korea. Thank you for your history. Digging it. So the way that Korean aristocracy and royalty works is that whenever you choose the next descendant, um, like the next heir, the next king, the next heir, it can't be the same generation as the current king. Meaning like, if I'm king, Katie, you couldn't be queen afterwards. Your child could be okay. Queen queen. Okay, so like the princes in the tower wouldn't have been a whole thing because Richard the Third couldn't have been king anyway. Where was, was Korea generation. in that? <laughs> I think they were in Korea. Okay, um, okay. I think Korea is where it's. I think <laughs> Korea is where it's always been, and not <laughs> it's like, please, why didn't you say those poor little? But children? no, okay. Th- I think that's a really great way to think of it. Like with the princes in the tower, Richard the Third could have never been king because he was of the same generation as Edward the Fourth. Henry Tudor couldn't have been okay. He's the same generation as Richard the Third and all them. So it would have had to been one of their children who takes on the role. That is so interesting. And so different. Yeah. And it saves a lot of drama too, in my opinion, because you don't have brother uh we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. (laughs) Anyway, let's rein it in. So now that this king is dead and he doesn't have any heirs. He had chosen someone else from another noble family to be his heir. Um, so tell tell us, walk us down that, Nathan. So the new heir that he ends up choosing is Gao Zhong. And I mean, technically, his name was... <clears throat> I'm going to fuck this up. Um, yes. Yi Myung-bok. Um, and he was crowned... King Gaojong. Uh, but we're going to say Gaojong for like continuity sake because again, yeah. too many names. Every time you get a new title, you get a new name. And that's just 
fuck it. Um, so Gal Junk came to power when he was just 12 years old. So our little mini would have been our little mini. I love mini. it. Um, our little mini would have been about 13. So she is older, older and wiser. Um, <laughs> well, she's definitely <laughs> wiser. Like, she might only be like six months older or something, but she is definitely wiser. So Gal Jung's dad. Um, it's scary as fuck. Look at his picture. We'll put it in so, the show notes. Right. Uh, do you remember the, the term tiger mom or helicopter parent or yes. tiger dad? Or yes. whatever? He is that like it is like, dude, can you take several seats back? I think I've got this. And he's like, nope, no, nope, no. Cause you need to do this, not. this, 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 and that. Oh, I don't know if I could handle a, a father-in-law like. Oh my like God. Him. Father-in-law from hell. So this dude, um, Gao Zhang's dad really, I think was really pissed off that he wasn't King. And so mm-hmm. he was more than happy to put his son on the throne who was so young and not particularly he's well educated mom. either. He's a he's stage, a stage mom. mom. He wants to be, <laughs> he's fulfilling his dreams of royalty through his son. Through his son. That I mean, that's yes. exactly what it is. And uh, Gao Zhang's dad was Daewon Ju. Uh, I just call him Daddy D because Daewon Ju. Yeah, we're going to call him Daddy D because I. That, it's too much name for me. Daewon Jun. Daewon Jun. Daddy G. Daddy D. Yeah, Daddy D was determined to get back the old order. Like, he wanted the old monarchy, the old way of things. He was very uh, nostalgic. He was a traditionalist. Yes, isolationism, nationalism, that whole thing. We'll see that a lot in this time, that the traditionalist and the progressives butt heads a lot. And Minnie, spoiler alert, is going to grow up to be a progressive, but her... Father-in-law from hell is very much a traditionalist. Do you think I got that right? Oh, yeah. Traditionalist, isolationist, nationalist just wants to keep everything the way that it was. And she's like, but no, we need to talk to other people. We need to get into this century, please and thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally are at the end of the 19th century and they needed to get further than that. Um, yes. But he was, he was really like over selective about the wife that his new son was going to marry so he had to make sure that she wasn't going to try to like usurp him so he had a checklist literally making a list he's checking it twice because he's santa claus but it's from hell (laughs) obsessive father-in-law um so from a royal family, obviously. Gotta be royal adjacent. Gotta have that pure bloodline. No ambitious fathers or brothers. I don't want anybody trying to usurp you to get to me. So I need to make sure all the men in your family are gone. I want somebody that's sweet, gentle, nice, docile. Oh yeah, she's gotta be hot. She's gotta be hot. She's gotta be pretty. And guess what? Insert eye roll. Insert eye roll, yeah. Min, guess what? She's a uh, her mom and dad were an internal prince and internal princess, whatever the fuck that means. Check for yes. the royalty. No ambitious brother or father, because they all did. Check. I mean, but for real, that's a 
if you think about our royalty in the past, if somebody didn't have a super ambitious father or brother, then maybe some of this shit wouldn't happen. So I get it. Right. I get it. Yeah. I get it. And then pretty. What is the only thing we know about men right now? That she's pretty. So I like pretty women. I like them pretty. Um, I could see (laughs) well why Daddy D would be like, oh yes, Minnie is the perfect fit for my son. And this is where I went down a royal Korean wedding rabbit hole. (laughs) Like it was a rabbit hole about Korean weddings. Okay, tell us some interesting facts. It was kind of like Miss America. (laughs) like it had that kind of vibes you would have a number of quote-unquote screenings where you would interview judges and interview aristocrats they would uh like once you made it past a certain phase then you would be interviewed by the family and then it would get even more in depth so there are i think three or four phases but let's be real in order to be a part of this bride selection thing you had to have money because you had yeah. to be able to afford the dress, the food, the this, the that. So what ended up happening is you would have only aristocratic families being able to apply. But technically, anyone could apply to be the emperor's new wife, even a commoner. So that was still an option on the table. But the but money was definitely a barrier. Yeah, because you couldn't afford that fucking kimono she better do like like kimono (laughs) what that shit's expensive she pretty quickly made it past those first few phases i mean she's stunning she's gorgeous she's smart she's fabulous like did i mention she's stunning and gorgeous that she's very very pretty you know what it also kind of reminds me of remember the russian uh bridal shows yes this is very much that that too Okay. Very okay. similar to that. And I think that's, to be honest with you, Korean culture is influenced by Russian and Chinese. And like, it, I mean, they're, it is, they're close to each other. They're all close to each other. Yeah. Exactly. She's also super docile and gentle and kind. Exactly what Daddy D is looking for, yeah. right? Like, she is just like, I'm just going to sit over here and read my books. And if you want to talk to me, cool. I mean, I would marry her. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a homosexual. Wait, wait. Nathan, you're gay? Nathan, oh, you're gay? Hey, I forgot to, I forgot to tell you. Uh, I thought the dick jokes would give it away. <laughs> no, she kind of reminds me of, I mean, one dead parent, loves to read books, super, super pretty. She is the makings of a Disney princess right now, isn't she? I mean, why have they not made something about her? Like, her life I is burnerners. 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 And I think what sealed the deal for her was the fact that Daddy D, Daewonju, um, he did not, like, she did not have a father or, like, a brother or somebody else waiting in the wings. So he was like, okay. I can manipulate her. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can tell her what to do. And boy, was he wrong. <laughs> he had made a mistake. Oh, I love, I love when a douchebag underestimates a smart, intelligent and fabulous woman. Love it. Because guess who's going to win the woman. <laughs> Every fucking time. Let's see how this story goes. 
So the two were married on March 20th, 1866. She was about 15. He was about 14. So at least she's not marrying an old man. Yeah, because that's gross. But the wedding. Oh, my God. It was a to-do, honey. Like, uh, head to toe. Okay, so. Head to toe. Oh she was gosh. dripping and. What is it, Nathan? Dripping in jewels and Guanza? Um, she was, and she had on this big ass wig. <laughs> like uh, that was the funniest story. Was that she's like so tiny and so little because she's fucking fourteen years old, and right. she's like not physically strong enough to carry this wig. So she literally has to hire somebody to be like, oh, I'm the wig lady. I, I just stand to behind, stand behind her, her and hold the wig up while she walks around. <laughs> it sounds like an SNL sketch. I know. Like, don't mind me. I was invited to the party. I'm just here for the wig. I'm just the wig lady. It also makes me think of the Alexandria Fyodorovna episode. Remember, uh-huh. like, she basically got a migraine from all, like, she couldn't stand up. Her dress was so heavy. It kind of reminds me of that, except it seems like men was a lot better at, it seems like men played her part really, really well. So the wedding would have lasted a few days. It was not an overnight affair. So uh, the first day that you would have had a wedding, it would have been the more traditional, like, wedding march. You know, you would then, in the days following, you would light candles and do that whole ancestor thing, which I am here for. Being like, Grandma, I love is that. this really the man I I'm supposed to marry? And they're like, no. <laughs> no, I love that honoring the ancestors and uh, any kind of, like, tradition like this. I love that. Oh, but I forgot to mention, on the first night... You know, after they did the traditional wedding march, after they did the whole, you know, what us Westerners know as a wedding, instead of Gao Zhong going to spend the night with his new bride, which is what you should do, you should should bone your new wife, he decided to bone his favorite concubine on their first night, Um, and her name was Yi Gwen. How sweet. Um, No, no. <laughs> it's How not sweet, sweet. Katie. <laughs> like um men obviously not happy about it and i'm like 99 no! sure she probably was like what the ever living fuck this is a direct quote um <laughs> direct quote what the fuck She's like, girl, I'm Becky with the good hair. I'm the one that had the fucking 30-pound wig on my head with somebody trying to hold it up for your ass. And now this other woman is getting my man. No, 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 no. Done. Done. Like, I would have I would have been like, can we get annulment right now? Like, it's it's over. Put yourself in her shoes. Right? Basically, she's a child. She grew up royal, but not this kind of royalty and then immediately her husband wants nothing to do with her and i'm just imagining how lonely and embarrassed she must have felt her first like year or two or five as the empress you know not a great start yeah a lot of resources say that it was a very unhappy marriage at the beginning uh no shit sherlock I mean, if you're fucking, if you're fucking your concubine on our wedding night, I might have a problem with that. 
Okay. Yeah, it might not lead to a happy union. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, oh my god. But instead, Min just locks herself up and starts reading her books. I mean, if I was upset, hashtag same. <laughs> hashtag same. Put me in my put me in a book in a room with some books, and I guess I can work it out. <laughs> Disassociation through literature is kind of my entire childhood too. So I get it, girl. I get it. I feel very seen right now. <laughs> very seen. So, but I love that she wasn't given a great education, but she just took it into her own hands. She was like, "Guys, I need, right. I need to know the history. I need to know the people that I'm going to be queen of." That is why I love her. I know. I love it. I um want to get a refill on my drink. So why don't we take a quick break right here? Let's see if this marriage gets any happier. Nah. Sound good? <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, it's Takuya here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. So let's discuss the newlyweds, shall we? Um, We shall. Polar opposites. Polar, polar opposites. Oh my gosh. Uh, he wants to go to parties. He wants to drink with his buddies. He's living that spoiled royal life. I love how that rhymed for me. I love this journey. <laughs> um, but that spoiled royal, um, he was just fucking concubines, drinking a lot of booze, having a good time. While she is literally in her room secluded away from everybody and she's reading books and i love it um she's reading books about philosophy history science she wants to know korea she wants to understand her country so she's taking her job really seriously and one time she told one of her like close advisors about her husband she literally said quote unquote he disgusts me. You know what I was saying about the Catherine the Great vibes? Catherine the Great and Peter, this is very much that kind. They have this same kind of relationship. And that 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 got me actually thinking is like, if you look at when Catherine the Great, you know, had her reign, it was literally only like 50, 60, 70 years away from Catherine the Great dying. Yeah. I guarantee you 
men probably read about Catherine the Great and knew her legacy and was like, you know what? I see some similarities here. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. I hope so. I hope she did draw uh, inspiration from Catherine because they've got very similar stories going on right here in the early years of their marriages. That's crazy. No one for sure. No one ever expected men to do anything except for go to parties, go to teas, wear beautiful dresses, and just men was not into any of that at all. She wanted to read. She wanted to learn. She didn't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy that can't get no love from her. (laughs) My king is a scrub to get get no love from me. Absolutely. Yeah. She was was in the left eye wraps and everything. (laughs) So the, the next few years, men lived a very secluded life. I mean, it was secluded all the way up to here. She wasn't really allowed to be part of ruling anything, you know, on the account that she was 15 and had a vagina. Oh my gosh. How can you rule? You've got boobs. You're you're going to have that uterus just wandering around being hysterical. What are you thinking? You can't, you can't think straight. You're a woman. You can't use your brain and your uterus. Same time, Nathan. What are you thinking? Crazy talk. She was ex- right. She was expected to like attend all of the parties, but parties just weren't her thing. And it sounds like she was honestly just really, really lonely. I know. Like if I could, if I could read her diary, it'd be like, "Dear diary, no one pays attention to me, and I'm smarter than all these fucking assholes. books are my friends." Yeah. I love her. But I do love when she was 20. So she's been queen for about five years now. And we really don't have anything on her because she was made to live this very, very secluded life. But when she was 20, she was like, I'm coming out. I want the one to know. And literally, literally, she she just stepped outside of her secluded apartment that she'd been locked away in for five years. She's like, fuck it. She's like, fuck this shit. I am leaving the palace. I am gonna have a life. I am gonna get involved in politics. And it was a scandal. And you know who it scandalized the most? Ah. Her father-in-law from hell, Daddy D, was like, wait, what do you mean? The queen wants to leave the palace. What do you mean she wants to talk to people? What do you mean she wants to help run the government? Daddy D was like, you can't be a girl that reads and a public figure. What will people think? And she was just like, dude, you need to like get off my dick about this. Like, (laughs) Get off my dick. So by the time Queen Min was 21, she welcomed a baby boy into the world. Baby boy, you've been on my mind. Fulfill my regency. Fulfill my regency. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, for those of those keeping tabs on her and her deadbeat husband, they would have been together for about five years now. And just like every other queen that we've discussed in the past, having that baby boy was her number one job, unfortunately. Numero uno. Only thing they cared about. You know, the fact that she hadn't had a child in five years, not a really good PR look for her at this moment. Right. So obviously she was overjoyed whenever. Yeah. Like when the baby finally hits the scene, I mean, it's going to give her more purpose in her life. And now people will quit talking about like, what's wrong with her? Why hasn't she had a baby? But I mean, it was literally four days later or something like that, that that son died. 
So <sighs> something like the, I don't know. I feel like her mom had a lot of problems and her father had a lot of problems having children. Yeah. Maybe this is some sort of genetic thing where they. And just also infant mortality. Infant mortality used to be so much higher than it is just because of, you know, the past is a horrifying place to be. Uh, but her dad, Daddy D, her dad-in-law, was literally like, well, you're just cursed. You can't have a male heir. It's your fault. And she's like, wait, <sighs> no, you're the one. So this is kind of shady, is that kind Daddy of? D, yeah, Daddy D would come in and give her quote-unquote ginseng treatments before, you know, as she was pregnant, because it's supposed to help the baby. But she ended up seeing, like, oh, my babies are born not right. Maybe it's these ginseng treatments that are causing are it. Because, de- yeah, it's poison. So yeah. I, I honestly do think that Daddy D may have been trying to poison her to not have a child. Because he was all about that concubine and knocking her up. And yeah. Ha- it's so well, much we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it more in just a second. But he's already starting to realize he's made a mistake in choosing his son's wife because she has opinions. She wants to read. She wants to be involved in the government. And he's probably thinking, hey, if I could just if if she was dead, then that would, you know, solve so much of my strife. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was trying to poison her. Literally, I would not be surprised at anything this dude does. He fucking sucks. I know. He's an asshole. So she's suspicious. Like, she is beyond suspicious. I'm suspicious, too. Like, after one failed pregnancy, you're going to say that I can't have male heirs? This is one time. Like, how many miscarriages have all of our queens had and she just has one and he's like you can't have a male heir so go fuck your concubine and get her pregnant because this piece of shit and you're like oh he wants to turn the country (laughs) against her oh like so horrible like but then galjong or then her husband does get his mistress or his concubine pregnant like immediately which mm -hmm. ouch and she has a healthy son Double ouch, you know? Ugh. I would be so pissed. Yeah, at this point, Daddy D is basically, he's the one running the country for his son. Like we said, helicopter dad. So he's pretty, I'm pretty sure that while dad was like running the country, Queen Min had some difficult conversations with her husband and was like, hey man, Mm -hmm. for real, like step up. Like it, you're supposed to be the emperor, not your father. Step the fuck up and run this country. And then she ended up convincing her husband to impeach his father, which good for her. <laughs> and then after impeaching Daddy D, Gao Zhong tells his concubine and the son by the concubine that they need to leave court. And they have like their title stripped from them. So kind I think once she gave him once she gave him the confidence to get Daddy D the fuck out, he starts respecting her a lot. Um, which good. She fucking deserves. Put some respect on that check. Absolutely. Like she deserves it. Put some respect on that check. <laughs> yes. 
So now Daddy D is like, okay, this is personal now. Like, mm-hmm. you've impeached me because he knew Gao Zhang never would have done this himself. So he's like, hmm, that queen of his sure is running her mouth, and she should. Um, yes. So he tries to shut it. And guess what? Don't ever try to tell a woman to shut up. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> or smile. Don't tell a woman to stop talking. And or don't smile. tell a woman to smile. <laughs> Fucking cut your dick off. Like. <laughs> <laughs> True. You're so much prettier when you smile. I'm like, um, you know what's also pretty? When you shut the fuck up. <laughs> but Min knows she needs to start working on having some more babies. So she does. And they go on to have four more children. But unfortunately, only Ugh. one survives to adulthood. Yeah, I hate that. Ugh, how uh, fucking tragic. And that's the crown prince, uh, Sunjong is the only one of her five children that she has to survive childhood. So it's really unclear at this point if that she stopped having children because she just physically couldn't do it or because it was dangerous to her health or because she was just fucking over it. Like her last pregnancy was when she was about 24, which is still pretty young. Um, Yeah. I mean, whenever I looked at it, there was a lot of, death around her around that time so i think she was just like i i don't want any i don't want to do this anymore i don't want want kids dying i don't want my kids dying my family dying i don't want anything i'm Mm -hmm. over it if i'm healthy you're healthy we're good but um up until this point korea was referred to as a hermit country i mean we (laughs) still think of north korea that way um their foreign policy was very much like north korea's now where it's isolationism nationalism but now during the time of empress Minnie, there was an attempt to like modernize korea so hermit country no no more more. yes and france and the u.s were like okay you're trying to open up. Let's open up trade. You know, let's, yeah. let's start bargaining. And King Gao Zhong thought, this is a great idea. He literally saw all of these kingdoms around him get bigger and better and awesome because they opened up trade. Because yeah. they listened to other people. Because they started negotiating things. And the so, United States and France up. both really wanted to trade with Korea. And so he's seeing an opportunity there. Make more money. Build better infrastructure. Get better education. And I think this is all because men was like whispering in his ear like, look at the West. Look what they're doing. We should be doing stuff like this. Totally giving me Catherine the Great vibes. Totally. Again, like totally. same sort of thing. So there was only one person standing in the way of this. And I'll give you one guess. Uh, Daddy D. Daddy D. The D He's stands for dickhead. Yeah. A dickhead. Douche canoe. Yes. Um, Daddy douche you canoe. Really, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. Um, he was not in power. He was leaning way into this Japan alliance. And he started using his connections with Japan to literally undermine his son, who's the emperor. But let's not forget that his son's wife fucking hates Daddy. Yes. yes. <laughs> and she wasn't really into an alliance with Japan because I don't 
Japan didn't want an alliance. Japan wanted Korea. She wanted to take over Korea. And they weren't being super sneaky and quiet about it either. There's no negotiation when you just literally want to take my land and right. claim it as your own. Right. That's, that's not a treaty. That's uh, usurping. That's me. conquering. Uh, that's And that's just yeah. not what men was into. The Japanese Empire decided to send a letter to establish, quote unquote, goodwill with Korea. Um, and that just means, hey, aka, I, I, I can has your country. I can just do you it. want me to also be your imp- emperor? Check yes or no. And they're like, oh, no, he's not after friendship. <laughs> yeah, they were the Japanese were having some shady. They went to Shady Lady University. Oh, 100 percent. And it was starting to piss off Gaojong. He wanted to keep their Chinese friends and also open up ties with the West. And this is a very, very huge oversimplification of a very complicated time in history. Basically, it was just like, you can be allies with Japan, or you can be allies with China. You can't really do both. So Galjong and Minnie were Team China, and Daddy D was Team Japan. And it was a huge rift in the country at this time. That's a good oversimplification, right? It's a very good oversimplification, but Daddy D is constantly going behind his son's back, constantly trying to undermine him and establish these ties with Japan. You're not in power. You're not in power anymore, dude. Just accept that. Retire. Take up fucking Tai Chi or, I don't know, bridge. Like, do something else. (laughs) Or bingo. Gardening. Go Go do something besides cause mayhem. <laughs> so the the relationship between Daddy D and Son, who's the Emperor Gaochong, um, it gets a little a little sour. Yeah, like they don't like each other that much. So Gaochong's affection was a double edged sword for Miss Min. Yeah, Miss Minnie, Miss Minnie. Um, and as Daddy D started to become well more of the dick yeah uh he he started to take his anger out on queen men and i don't just mean start to like he's literally threatening to kill her he does like have like there are several times i've read about like one explosion that killed a couple of her cousins and it was all rooted back to daddy d planned this as like a um way to scare her thinking that if he like killed some of her family and was like, oops, th- were your cousins Talk in there? Talk about father-in-law from hell. Yeah, like, he was thinking that was going to like scare her into submission, but it didn't. That's not how her brain worked, you know? Oh, uh, me and Katie, we don't agree. How about I murder your whole family? Oh, you know. I mean, that's not. <laughs> um, that's that's definitely a direction that I wasn't expecting. Um... Yeah, no, no olive branches here. <laughs> Just olives. Just olives. <laughs> very sour, very salty, very pissed off. Um, no, thank you. No. Um, and to her defense, like later on, this does something to the marriage of Galjong and Queen Min, and it's might not be what you think it is. It actually brings them closer together. 
there's nothing like an overbearing mother-in-law or father-in-law to <laughs> literally make you go, yeah, they're kind of fucked up. I'm super sorry. Super sorry, y'all. Also, I think because Queen Min suffered so many personal tragedies with the death of her children and the death of her cousins and stuff like that, that it really compelled Gal Jong to like want to comfort her and feel bad for her. Like, super sorry my dad is like killing your cousins and shit. Super sorry my dad <laughs> might be trying to poison you. And they kind of fell in love, which was I know not what I was expecting. Like, he started to rely on her so heavily. And she was like, finally, I'm getting the recognition I deserve. And it became a love story, which... I know. Cute. And she has a lot to offer him. Yes, like, definitely. She's She's been at home studying all the time, remember? And Gal Jung has been out, like, partying, partying and fucking concubines. So he's literally like, uh, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, and baby, baby says, I got this. I got this. Yeah, she literally is quoted as saying... You gonna learn today, probably. 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 <laughs> so, clueless. He's absolutely clueless on how to run this country. And Queen Min is gonna g- hold my beer. Hold my beer. I got this, honey boo boo child. You gonna learn I- today. I- I got this. Hold my beer. <laughs> Ring the bell, school is in session. <laughs> and she flexed her muscles. She sent immediately sent advisors off to Japan to study how, you know, Japan's being westernized and Japan's like growing so quickly. Why are they trying to do that? And what are those intentions towards my country? What are are their real, what do they really want from us? They obviously Mm -hmm. don't just want friendship. And this is a time in the world where there's so many, so much colonization from the West that she's like, Oh, is that what, like, she's looking at, like, you know, this is the, this is the sun never sets on the British empire time in the world. And she's looking at that and looking at Japan going, oh, that's what they want to do. Oh, okay. So maybe I should not. Maybe we shouldn't <laughs> be friends with them. Right. So she was advised by a Chinese ambassador to Japan to send over all of the young people from Korea. And what they would do at that point is study in China and Japan. So this feels like a happy medium to me where it's like, there's a conflict between China and Japan. So I'm going to send my youth, my young people to go get educated by both. Right. So that they can make a decision on their own. And it pieces both countries they're like hey i'm gonna let my kids be influenced by you guys so maybe y'all will quit being so pushy now yeah and so it's a way for these koreans to get educated beyond that isolationism that they've been going through and get a bunch of different cultural references and this ambassador also suggested he was like hey how about we invite some american western scientists you know, they need to learn about technology. And, you know, whenever you get sick, you take an antibiotic, you don't bleed yourself out with leeches. Like, just. And so, no, I love that. She invited some, yeah, some scientists and people from the tech world of the time to come over to Korea from like the United States and France and stuff and start doing lectures. And I, I love it. I just love to see it. Yeah. She was all about this shit. She, you know, had 
these ideas published, tried to influence all of the aristocrats in Korea. And she's like, bitch, we're going to learn, bitch. Like, you're going to get this shit. Ring the bell. School is in session. And all the aristocrats, less than enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, It's hard to, it's hard to teach, you know, people that are set in their ways. They're like, why do we need to change? We're the rich ones. Like, why would we need to change anything? When you're already rich and complacent, it's kind of hard to be like, we're going to learn some new stuff today. They're like, no. Things are going great for us. Yeah. And she gave zero fucks because Japan, there was like a four year period where she went and like went to Japan. And then four years later, they sent another envoy to Japan. And it was like, whoa, Japan just got real big. They grew a lot in that four years. What are they doing? That scared her Mm -hmm. more than anything. She was like, whoa, they have a government. They have a constitution. And she's like, well, shit. Now that I know that they're probably coming for me. Yeah, they're coming for Korea. I'm not loving this advancement in Japan. (laughs) Japan's shady lady university at this point. She's like, how can we compete? Like we need to do some, implement some of these changes in ourselves. So she got together 12 new bureaus in her government that looked over foreign relations. So she appointed ambassadors to Russia, China, Japan, all USA. Like she, she did that. She created a government. Permit country no longer. Right? She created commerce. She created trade. She created a new military. Like, guys, she has not gotten enough credit for doing what she I did. know. Uh, I know. And all these reforms and all these military reforms, especially the military reforms, uh, yeah. were so controversial. Because she was sending all the new troops over to China to be trained. And China. And uh, Japan was <laughs> pissed because they were like, what What are you What are you two in on together? And it was just like, no, they yeah, just have my chop liver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, well, no, they just have like the bigger military and we just want to learn from over there. We're sending our kids to China to learn their military strategies. The old Korean military dudes, again, just like the old Korean aristocracy that were like why do we need to make changes these old military dudes are like why nothing's broken why are we changing it in their minds because also trying to change old dudes minds that are stuck in their way with anything is always going to be a struggle horrible and they're like why are we listening to this woman why are we listening to this woman she again have you not noticed she has that vagina she can't Uh. tell us about war And her husband is just a party monster and he's totally incompetent and uh, she obviously can't make decisions on her own because vagina. Because vagina. uh, Uterus. Fragile. Dick. Energy. She was making the calls for this country for how many years? And they're just now realizing. (laughs) Uh, So So this leads into an insurrection. Yeah, 1882. It's all of these old troops that are just military troops that are just so resentful that these new troops get all this fancy new training and fancy new... Sounds like jealousy to me. It was jealousy. Um, But also, it's it's called the... I think it's pronounced the emo incident. Yes. Um, yeah. I am O. Super emo. 
they were all screaming and just it was all, it was a lot of screamo it was a lot of um glasses lots of emotion but <laughs> it what again this is something we're oversimplifying there was a lot of internal corruption in the military oh, yeah. as well there was like this one dude that I read about that was supposed to give an X amount of rations of rice to each troop a week. And he was mixing the rice with sand to like save money. But you you put a I, you put a I, mixture of rice and sand on on the stove, it's gonna ruin like it's inedible. So these people are like literally starving. So they're not just revolting against men. It's like deeper than that. But sadly, the insurrection and the revolt from the military at this time, men kind of became a figurehead of like, this is who we're going after, um, even though it's much guy. more complicated than that. Yes, she kind of became, she's trying to make change and we don't like change and we're very hungry because we can't eat sand. <laughs> and they came after her. And guess who comes out of the shadows too to help fund and help this fucking revolt? Daddy uh, D. Fuck Daddy D. Uh, these rebellious army dudes like start attacking policy, destroying the private residences of like Queen Min and her family. And while at it, they also attack, kill, and destroy any Japanese person, any property that they come across. And so the yeah. rebels start heading toward Queen's Palace, but fortunately for our girl, Queen Minnie, um, her and her husband ended up being able to escape. They GTFO'd just in the nick of time. Like actually she dressed up as like a lady of the court, like some commoner lady and like snuck right past the rebels. Like they probably Uh, saw. That's fucking scary. That's so scary. Yes, that's fucking scary. (laughs) Dudes with guns out where you live. Um, There's lots Uh -uh. of corruption. In this moment of temporary glory, Daddy D, he's a D, goes to the Mm -hmm. palace and basically takes the throne. He's like, oh, it's mine. Um, Then went a step further and said, quote unquote, the queen is dead. Number one, no, she's not. Um, no, I know, I know you wrong. can't find her. Yeah, fake wrong. news. <laughs> he then threw out all Chinese and Japanese people out of the capital, like threw everybody out. That is so scary. Can you imagine though? Like before the internet, like somebody it's not like they can go and like check her Twitter, her Instagram stories, and her <laughs> be like, "LOL, not dead guys." Like subscribe not and follow yet. for more. Not dead yet. Um, like they just had to be like, oh well, this one guy said she was dead, so maybe she is dead. Like I, I just, I'm so happy that we live in an age of instant information. So Daddy D's reign 2.0 um, didn't really last that long. The royal couple returned to power and stored all of their previous policies, and, and then they, they lived happily, happily ever, ever after. Bye, guys. That's totally the end of the story. Liza Minnelli. Lies. Liza Minnelli. Things are about to be super bummerish. Yeah, this was. I, I wish this was the end of the insurrection of 1882, but her dumbass wimpy husband f- felt forced into signing this treaty with Japan that I just don't understand. Don't understand the treaty with Japan. Oh. Um, <laughs> 
it just makes me think that he was an easily manipulated person again i th- I think he was one of those people that just like he's gonna be on the side of whoever the last person he talked to and so somebody with ulterior motives got him alone and convinced him to sign this treaty with japan and korea had to pay back all like korea had to pay all this money to japan for lost life and property and it, it just wasn't it wasn't fair for korea honestly yeah, and it also allowed the uh, Japanese troops to end up guarding the Japanese embassy, so it allowed the Japanese army into Korea. Have a huge military presence in Korea, which was like the whole thing she was trying to avoid. Avoid, like, what the fuck? So, Queen Min, not about this life. Mm-mm. She then proposed a trade treaty with China, which obviously is going to piss off Japan. Um, Because she wants to give the Chinese more influence and say, well, Japan's got influence. Maybe you should have some, too. Mm -hmm. She's a good leader, guys. Like, uh, she even proposed to have a Chinese commander to take over the Korean military and this German dude to be, like, maritime customs service boats. Boats and shit. Boats and shit. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's huge, though. I could see how, though, that would cause um, some tense feelings in an already pretty tense situation yeah awkward turtle gotta <laughs> leave bye, bye. <laughs> it was around this time that minnie was like okay we need to take it a step further we need to get our people you know to the west see what they're doing and what's their military like what's their schools like hospitals science y'all um what do they think of us what do they think of us and so she sends over a bunch of diplomats a bunch of scholars to the u.s and the people on this mission studied historical sites listened to all these history lectures which i love this journey for them i love that most importantly they talked about japan and Japan's influence in Korea and how that can impact the U.S.-Korean relations. Mm-hmm. And they weren't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is this is bad, right? And all like the U.S. dudes were like, yeah, that's, um, you know, that's kind of shady. Not, not cool. So when the mission returned home, Queen Min was made aware, like, girl, your kingdom in danger. Molly. (laughs) You are stuck in the past. They got steam steam engines and shit over there. They got inoculation. We gotta change this shit. (laughs) Turn the ship around. Let's do better. Okay. I just have to know how forward thinking Mm -hmm. all of this is. Mm -hmm. To recognize that, hey, we've been a hermit nation for the last few hundred years. We might be at a huge disadvantage. Exactly. We're at a disadvantage, so maybe we need to take advantage of all of this westernization and then do something that at that time she would have been viewed as... Oh my gosh, she's radical. She's crazy. Why is she's she She's super this? radical. It's so smart, though. It's so smart to be that self-aware. That, hey, maybe we're not this perfect nation that can be completely self-reliant like all the leaders of the past thought we could be. Maybe we do need to listen to and like get ideas from other people. I just think she's so radical in such a great way. And I just hate that she's not more well-known because of these right? thoughts, you know? Like she needs, she needs something on her tombstone that says, "Listen, Linda, 
Listen, Listen, Linda, (laughs) you should have listened to me better, Linda. (laughs) So over the next few years, there's a ton of internal strife in Korea. I feel like that could be the tagline for this episode. Just like, and then there was strife in Korea. Uh, Congratulations. Have you met Korea? There's just always (laughs) strife. For the sake of oversimplifying thing and timing, there are two political factions in Korea. You have your conservatives and your progressives. Let's just boil it down to that. And there's a lot of fighting between the two parties because guess what? We're still fighting about it now. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Um, And you know what? Korea doesn't really give a fucking shit about this because japan and china are still just trying to gain more power trying to gain more control over korea and then there's some more coups there's some more coups there's some more treaties both internally and with japan uh japan is going behind men's back and making treaties with Poor little baby Gaojong, who's like, like I said, so, so easily manipulated that they know they have to get him alone without many, and then he'll do whatever they want, and they're not wrong. And she's just like, I'm just like imagining her talking to him after this and be like, did you sign another treaty without me? And he's like, yeah. She's like, what have we said about that? And he's like, don't sign treaties without you. Damn it. I'm pretty sure that conversation actually went down between exactly them. Um, we have no references to this, but I'm pretty sure she's like, oh, baby boy, what is you doing? And it was just a clusterfuck. So men secretly negotiates with China to have 2,000 Chinese troops dress in Korean uniform to Love guard it. their borders. Pretty Shady lady university. Sis. She also used uh, the Chinese to continue to train the Korean army, which is like literally a fuck you to Japan. Big clit energy. Love to see it. Um, always here for it. So, okay, let's take a step back from all these like coups and treaties because they'll just come back into play later. Yeah. And let's talk about all of the other really cool things that Queen Min did. So, number one, she helped get Korea's first newspaper published. Media queen. Yes. Get the I news mean, out to the finally. people. Like, what, did they do? what did they do before? Like this is the late 1800s. They're just now getting newspapers. The printing press has been around for a minute. I know. Right. Where's yield TMZ. Um, right. So this newspaper was sent out three times a month and it was to keep people aware of what's going on in the government. They talk about contemporary news, like how Westernization is going to help benefit the country, you know, and modernizing Korea. So it's a very, it is propaganda heavy, but at the same point, she's trying to say, let's lean in to what's going on around the rest of the world. Let's try to not be this hermit kingdom anymore. She also invited Christian missionaries into Korea, which remember just a few, um, just a few generations ago, they were literally killing Christians. And this was because, you know, the mission, the missionaries were going to countries and setting up schools and setting up hospitals And she was like, we could really use some schools and some hospitals. And she didn't care. Like religion wasn't really a big deal to her. So she was kind of like, 
I think they can come here without turning us all into Christians. But also, if you guys do want to be Christians, that's kind of none of my business, you know, like. Yeah, uh, she, and this, uh, she was very tolerant in terms of religion. Sure. Yeah. And this also shaped Christian or um, Korean culture because like the introduction of religious hymns, like that style of music really embedded itself into the culture And yeah, she was just tolerant. And this, especially this religious tolerance, really pissed off Daddy D in a way that was just this whole other level. Like, he was like, this is not okay. Right. So Queen Min not only was religiously tolerant, she also established the first girls' school in Korea, which... Yay. Yes. Um, this school is actually still alive and well today and is like the premier education spot for women in Korea. It's the Ewa Women's University. Um, nice. Noted at the time that it was not really a place for education whenever she started it. It was more about feeding and helping the poor women in Korea, which... Still, ah, still I good. I love you. I love you, Queen Min. <laughs> like the economy, obviously welcoming um, new opportunities for trade and communication, was a huge boom to the Korean economy. She established this way of taxing the people that hadn't been really put into place before. So now they got more money for infrastructure and military and education. She adopted like these U.S. farming practices that she learned from the people they were trading with in the U.S. Um, she imported the first steam engine into Korea. Like other countries had been using steam engines for <laughs> generations by now. And that, you know, because the steam engine is actually like a huge thing that propelled modern civilization in a way that something hadn't in so long. And so for them to just like get it so many generations later was a huge disadvantage for them. And she was like, guys, there's this invention, it's going to change things. And it did. Awesome. I get very excited. I get very excited about I know, but also equally exciting to the steam engine, she helped lay down telegraph lines. Like we don't think about that today as so because we have Wi-Fi. Um but she literally laid down communications between Korea, Japan, China. Isolationism no more love her so okay 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 back to politics unfortunately we we have to so japan is not happy with all these changes in korea and they have an old ally who just so happens to feel the same way that they do and that's daddy d um fuck this guy this fucking guy disclaimer things are about to turn things are about to be a bummer Things are about to be a bummer. Yeah, because they try to have a plan devised to assassinate Queen Min. And that's, that's the part that's a bummer. Yeah, that's, I mean, because in Daddy D's eyes, the only thing standing in the way of Korea and Japan relations is Queen Min. Like, that's the only person. Gao Jung's um, so, devotion now, because he's like, they have really formed this tight bond. They are really 
working as a unit. They are in love. Um, And he relies on her so, so heavily. Yeah. So daddy D is like, if we just get her out of the picture, I'm back in power. Let's do this. So it's about to get dark guys. Um, Yeah. So early morning, in the early morning of October 8th of 1895, a bunch of Japanese forces end up storming the Royal residence where Queen Min was staying. And she literally can hear her royal guard screaming in the early morning, like, ah, and she's like, fuck. Okay, somebody's out to kill me because I'm a powerful woman. And guess what? Dudes with dicks don't like powerful women. And I need to disguise myself. So I'm going to disguise myself as one of the court ladies. Makes sense, right? They're standing all around her. So... Before she ran off and, like, officially disguised herself, her surviving son that would be the future emperor, um, she literally was like, are you going to be safe? Are you going to be okay? I want to make sure you're okay. And he was like, yeah, mom, we're cool. So the guards storm in, and King Gaojong in front of everybody stands in front of them and is like, I don't know what you're trying to do. You don't, the queen, I don't, I don't know. Who, the the queen, queen? haven't heard of her. What, what's a queen? Like, I'm just simple-minded. I don't know what y'all are asking me. Just trying to buy buy men some time. He he obviously hasn't heard of our podcast because if he no. wanted to know who a queen what was, is, what is that? What is Queen's podcast? No, that's exactly the conversation that Gal Jong had with the Japanese forces. <laughs> yeah, I need several <laughs> likes from Gal Jong, and if I don't have them, I'm not going to be happy. But yes, <laughs> this helped his wife escape. So, you know, this guy sucked at the beginning, right? Gao Zheng was an asshole what a journey. at the beginning. And now he's like sacrificing his life for his wife. Trying to. I need that. Yeah. I need that on a t-shirt. Um, I, I love but, it. I, you know, I just I mean, love the journey. I love this man's journey. He started from the bottom. Now he's here. Like, now he's I here. I love him. Like, uh, well, it, it did... Uh, like divert the attention away from Queen Min for a little while. The Japanese forces that stormed the royal residence went off and just grabbed every woman they saw and just started beating the fuck out of them. Just like tell uh, me where the queen is. Tell are you? Yeah, no, super um, official Queen's podcast statement. Don't um, beat the shit out of anybody. We do not support it. Hot take. Hot take from Queen's podcast. Right. They ended up like putting her son at sword point and being like, tell me where your mom is. And he refused. Like he was like, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. So at at this point, they took all of the court ladies, drug them down the stairs. And by drug them, I mean, probably threw them down the stairs and cut their hair off and beat the fuck out of them. Not cool. And yeah, Min, Minnie was disguised as one of these court ladies. One of the guards went to like go start beating the shit out of her. And that's when this high ranking Korean official like threw himself in front of her. Like, no, 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 no. And they were like, oh, you wouldn't be doing this for just any old lady. So this must be the queen, right? And that's when it was discovered that, yeah, that was, that was Min. So they literally took her. Her and like two of her court ladies and hacked them to death with swords. Just to pieces. Um, Just to pieces. And they said her body was violated and I Ugh. 
don't know what that means. And I don't let's just move on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on that. that. Uh, but they like doused her in oil, burned her, like tried to defile her body, and I'm I'm fucking mad. They took her out to the to the forest to burn her body and spread her ashes. The only thing that remained of her that they brought back to Galjong after they did that was one finger. And they gave that oh. to him so that he could Brutal. have remains of his wife. Oh. Oh. Even, Told y'all that this worse. part was a bummer. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. Speaking speaking of depression, Galjong was distraught. He had relied oh, on this woman for every aspect of his life um, for years and years and years now. And he's like, who is what? Like he was just at completely at a loss. He didn't leave his bedroom for weeks. Um, they, his dad decided, oh, good. He's, he's um, depressed. Let me now get back into power and force. Can, can I make him sign. more treaties? Can I have him sign can more I make treaties him- now that he's vulnerable? Let's have him do more things that aren't actually in his interest. Basically, he was forced into signing these treaties that gave immense power to Japan and gave immense power to his father. And it was, rest- yeah, it restored his dad back to basically being the one running the country again. Funny thing is that Daddy D tried to go a step further. He tried and he tried to say, okay, we're going to have Queen Min. We're going to change her title posthumously to um, just, just a commoner. And then just Gao a commoner. Zhang, she wasn't anybody. Yeah. Gao Zhang was like, hell no. Nah. And literally, <laughs> literally, this is not a probably quote from Queens. This is a literal quote from Gao Zhang, which was, I would rather slit my wrist than let them bleed than disgrace the woman who saved this kingdom. Oh my god, that just let that's a gut punch. That like I abs- like he never He didn't did love shit. her at the beginning. Yeah. He didn't yeah. love her at the beginning. But now he's like, this woman was the only reason. Ugh. Oh my Such god. A, I love you, Queen Men. <laughs> Not long after this, uh Galjong and his son fled to Russia and they were declared traitors. And so they hid out there in Russia until 1897 when they start he started getting pressure to come back to Korea. And so he goes back and he is proclaimed king again and this is when they he's the founding emperor of the Korean empire. Okay, and, okay. Uh, I know, I know that we've been calling it Korea all along and I know, but technically it was Jalsun and yeah. that's what it was before this. So he is the guy that officially created the Korean empire. Yeah. So he entered this new reign as emperor. And this is when she got, her formal title of Queen Yongsong, like Queen Min. Yeah, like she after got death. her official title. How wonderful would it have been if he had founded the Korean Empire with her, like at his side? Once back in power, like the first thing he did is through this like huge, lavish funeral for her. And remember, all he had of her remains was her one finger, and that's what they used for this. <laughs> that's all you need, just one finger. One huge memorial. There was 
5,000 soldiers, 4,000 lanterns, like these giant wooden horses for her to use in the afterlife. Which very they- Egyptian. Very Egyptian, yeah, like very, very Trojan, Trojan. horsey. Yeah. <laughs> but this was all to honor like all the things that she tried to do to just further her people. And it was it was just an absolute huge deal. Um, and she deserved it. I, I'm glad that he was able to get back in power and give her the, the send off that she deserved. Yeah, it was like a statement for his like undying love for her and you were the one that did this for me and the only reason I'm here is because of you. And like, Daddy D died shortly after in 1898 and guess what? No surprises here. Gao Zhang did not attend his father's funeral. Yeah, that is not a huge surprise at all. (laughs) You murdered my wife, so so maybe I'm not here for that. Yeah. Hmm. Shocker. Shocker, shocker, shocker. Legacy of Queen Min. Oh my god, like where do we even fucking start? Badass Korean motherfucker who did not let a goddamn man tell her what to fucking do. She called the shots. She sat in the background and was like, okay, but I've really got the plan here. And she was right. She refused to just go on being uneducated and just live this life of party. She could have, she could have lived the life of just like a party girl that just wore beautiful dresses, but she was like gowns, beautiful gowns. But no, (laughs) she was like, she recognized that she was put in a place that she could make real change. Right. She worked towards that. And that's not something that everybody would have done. Stepped up to the plate ruled the country while her husband couldn't. She was honestly the rightful ruler of Korea at the time. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. he just took a back seat to whatever she had to say. I mean, she implemented changes to Korea, like religion, culture, education, military, you know, modernizing Korea and the economy. Like, yes, she changed. She made so many changes. She was such an important part of, the history in that part of the world. And I'm just so glad that we covered her. So men, you are a hundred percent that bitch here is here. Cheers to you, girl. Yes. All right, Nathan, this was an amazing topic. I love her. And if anybody has some random factoids on her, please send them my way. Please let us know down 10,000 rabbit holes for this bitch. Love her. All right. Cheers, bitches. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. If you want to hear something, just email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a really great Facebook discussion group. We'd love to see you over there, too. And if you're so inclined, we do have a Patreon account if you need more Queen's content in your life. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for listening. Bitches. Cheers, bitches. Mm-hmm.